0: Welcome to the First Time Facilitator Podcast. Whether you're a first time facilitator or a seasoned pro, listen in for tips and tricks to make a bigger impact at the next workshop you deliver. And now, your host, Leanne Hughes. Hello everyone and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Leanne Hughes, and I'm here to help you create unpredictable workshop experiences that predictably work. Thank you for spending your time with me today. I so appreciate getting the opportunity to chat to you every week or if you're binge listening, uh, every day that is. Now we heard from Angela Henderson last week talking about humanizing your workshop and she's doing some really cool X Factor fun stuff in the way that she hosts conferences and helps small business owners with growing and scaling their business. That means that this week is a short, sharp mini-sode. These come to you every fortnight and the difference between these and interviews is that in the solo mini-sodes, I aim to share sort of more focused, practical advice you can use to boost your workshop experience. And this mini-sode is sponsored by my LinkedIn profile. I'd love to connect with you on there, a link to that is in the show notes. So a shout out to listeners Hey, G'day to Tim Ferguson, Kimberly, Grace, Morgan, Amanda Fryer and Kel Lutz who have reached out over LinkedIn. Now with the beauty of scheduling, you might have reached out between the time that I saw that and posted this, so I apologize and hope to give you a shout out in future. Um, And that is the beauty of scheduling, so I get to do these prior because when this episode is released, I'll be back in Hong Kong for my second batch of leadership workshops And so hopefully I've learned from all the lessons that I shared with you back in episode 79 of lessons that I learned on the road and on the tarmac. So I'm feeling pretty prepared and, and pumped and ready to go. Before I dive in, remember if you'd like to continue the conversation when the podcast is over, join the community of over 270 facilitators from all over the world. It's truly global Um, I'm so impressed and it's just amazing to know that people from all over the world are listening in it's fantastic Uh, so you can join that it's called the flip chart I'd love to meet you over there I'd love you to ask questions and share your facilitation experiences wins and challenges you can view a link to the group and other resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes for this uh, for the show at firsttimefacilitator.com forward slash episode 83 now, onto the show. So, you might have read the title of this episode, which is called Force Connections Using Icebreakers. And you thought, oh no, Leanne is going to make people like bond with each other and force connections. And she's using icebreakers to do that. And I know, yeah, icebreakers are used for that purpose uh, initially to, to create those bonds, but you shouldn't force anything. Um, and that's right, I don't think you should force any type of connection, but force connection is a type of innovation theory and I'll share a bit more about it a bit later on because this episode it is all about icebreakers and energizers like I feel like I could create literally dozens of episode on these two topics I feel like these are the main questions I get asked you know what's a great activity that takes a couple of minutes what's a really great activity you can use for a room of 70 people what's a great activity that requires no resources Um, or what are some things that I can do to ramp up the energy in a room after lunch And I don't know about you but I certainly do. I still continue to search online trying to find decent and new and different icebreakers, something outside the ordinary to keep the the energy moving in a room. And like I said I could record dozens of episodes on this and look I probably will share a few more with you and I'd love to hear your favourite icebreaker of course but I'm going to spin the topic a little bit today and to chat about relevance. So as you know Uh, I chat to many facilitators and I've uh, had a conversation with lots of previous guests and the advice that I continue to hear is that it's important to do an energizer or an icebreaker that relates to the content. So it needs to be relevant to the topic. And this of course relates to adult learning theory. Adult learners need to know why they're doing something and how it relates to the struggles or challenges that they face right now or the topic at hand. So relevancy is key and I agree with that I agree it is important to have relevant icebreakers and energizers however and this may be controversial but I'm of the school of thought that you can really relate any type of icebreaker to the content at hand Particularly if you work in corporate type of training and are covering like a suite of soft skills like communication, leadership, team effectiveness, those are very broad and high-level themes and I find it very easy to link any icebreaker with those topics. Because the topics are so broad, there are just so many different ways that you can debrief an icebreaker that you can relate it to the topic at hand. And I think it's good to know that because what that means is that you don't need an arsenal of 50 different icebreakers up your sleeve. I think if you had, say, you know, even between 8 to 10, 10 to 15 icebreakers that you're confident in explaining and bringing out to different types of groups, I think for each one of those, you could find five different ways to debrief them. And what that means is then you can make sure that it is relevant and hits the target uh, for your audience. So let me explain by giving you an example. Actually, I might even start by telling you about forced connection, what force connection is? It's uh, I'm sure there's people that run uh, innovation workshops listening in that could describe it a bit better than I. But I use it as an activity. It's it's an innovation activity to create new ideas. And what it is all about is linking two random objects together and finding similarities and differences and seeing um, if we can create a new idea because of that. Uh, for example, I ran a workshop last year. It was on how to interview when you're recording a podcast because I'd learned a bit over the eight months that I'd had and thought I could share that with other people. And I shared this activity force connection. So what it is, it's getting two random objects. So the two objects we used in this example was a banana and Paris, the city, the city of Paris. And I got the participants to f- try to figure out what was similar or different, how they could force a connection between a banana and Paris. And so the process works by you look at the banana and you brainstorm all the features, benefits, attributes of a banana. So you might say things like, you know, is yellow, you can eat it, it grows on trees, grows in tropical climates. That's one example. And then you brainstorm the features, benefits, attributes of Paris. So it's a capital city, has the Eiffel Tower, croissants, uh, beautiful architecture, Notre Dame, etc. Okay, so you just go through this process. First, you individually map out each of the... Int- attributes then you go through each column and see hey how could these actually link up together that any features benefits attributes that are that they have in common and one really great example still stands out for me is someone mentioned with the banana example what they found was that the big banana in Coffs Harbour New South Wales was very similar in that it was an iconic landmark similar to the Eiffel Tower in Paris. So that was one way that they linked the two the, um, random objects and cities. So a banana in Paris, that's how they link them together, was going through that process of forced connection. I think, so I just, just by that example, you can do it with any random activity. So I think, well, my belief is that With an icebreaker, it doesn't matter what the topic is. Surely there's a way of linking it to the topic you've got at hand through the debrief. So let me give you this example. Now, I posted up my ultimate facilitator packing list on LinkedIn recently. Uh, I covered this checklist in an earlier episode. What it is, it's just a one-page packing list I use to make sure that I don't forget anything when I deliver a workshop. I got a few comments on that because on the list, I had listed three tennis balls And everyone wanted to know what the heck the tennis balls were about. And so I use these. I think it's good to have like just balls that you can throw in a workshop environment. You can use them in a variety of ways. But one typical icebreaker, a good one after a break is called Warp Speed. It's an oldie. It's a goodie. It works for groups for up to about 20 people, I'd say, no more than that. How it works is you get everyone in a circle. You appoint a leader. The leader starts off with the ball. The rules are that they need to ensure the ball touches everyone's hand so the um, you can't pass it to the person next to you and it can't go back to a person so you can only handle the ball once. Once everyone has touched the ball once, the ball has to go back to the leader. So you give those set of instructions. As a facilitator, you sit back and you actually bring out a flip chart and start timing them so they can see a stopwatch. Now, usually the first time the group tries it, they try to figure out a pattern People drop the balls, a bit of confusion. It takes a bit of time. Uh, it's very slow, but they do get there. Then you find out, I guess after the first attempt, what I suggest doing is stopping the clock and reading out the time. So if they took three minutes, call that out. And then you write that time down on a nearby flip chart where it's clearly visible. Then the group sees that and they try the activity a second time. You time them again. The second time is usually faster and it goes on. So after about three or four attempts, you can throw a line in like, hey, I did this to a group last week. I did the same activity and they managed to finish it in under five seconds. What you find is that the group is blown away. Like how on earth can a group do that? Then they figure out ways to make that happen by like moving closer or using a tunnel approach for the ball or, you know, gravity is their friend. Um, There's all sorts of ways they can try to get it under five seconds, which is not the traditional way of approaching it. That's a super quick summary. I'll link to the game and better instructions in the show notes. But I wanted to talk more about the debrief on that activity. So like I said, it's one activity, but you can use it in a variety of ways and mediums. So how do you debrief it? Uh, let's talk about first assumptions and decision making. So with the instructions, I didn't actually tell the group that they had to beat their previous time. The team assumed they had to get faster. As a facilitator, I also didn't tell the team that they had to stay planted in the circle. That was an assumption. And how do assumptions affect your decisions? Well, if the group side of the criteria for success was speed, even though I, as a facilitator, giving you the exercise didn't tell you that. That's pretty interesting. That's all these inherent assumptions about what we need to do. So how does this play out in a work environment? What kinds of decisions are we making based on existing assumptions and the way that things should be? That's an assumptions and decision-making debrief. You also uh, debrief using communication and collaboration. So say to the group, hey, look, you spoke to each other, you used each other's names when you passed the ball, you developed patterns and ways of working. You created roles and expectations with the group to make it easier and seamless. What you do find, they tend to really communicate and focus on the person they're receiving the ball from. So, there's a lot of like eye contact and they really ramp up the communication skills in this one. You can also talk about assumptions related to innovation. This is the third way you can debrief it. Uh, So, say something like, hey, when I set a new target, when I said five seconds, you couldn't believe it. But how did hearing about a new target, hearing what was achievable, challenge your existing thinking? What it did was it forced you out of your current thinking patterns and mindset. It sounded outrageous at the time, but you made it work. It's kind of like related to the guy that broke the four-minute mile. No one thought it was possible. No one did it. One person cracked it. And then over the next couple of years, so many people cracked the four-minute mile. Um, And I guess you could also relate this to SWOT analysis, looking at Opportunity, like external opportunities, looking at the environment and getting inspired by things happening outside of your company, outside of what you see every day. So like I said, that's that's three different ways. I had to not spend much time writing this debrief, but but just some really simple ways through thinking about the topic that I'm delivering that I could relate it, relate that one icebreaker to three different topics. You know what another gold question is? It's actually asking the group, uh, so getting them to turn to the person next to them or to groups of threes and saying, "Hey, we've just done this activity. What do you think the lesson in this is, or how does this activity relate to what we've covered this morning?" And that second question about relating the activity to something they've learned this morning is is like a forced connection exercise. So you're getting the participants to look at two random ideas: of the activity versus what was covered in the morning. And you get them to try and find the similarities. And I think if they determine their own lessons from the exercise, that is really – it's more powerful than you telling them what to explore or what what they should have got out of it. So that's another cool way of doing it. Now let's throw another idea into the mix, the walk-stop game. I saw this on Drew Tarvin's YouTube channel. I use it all the time. I freaking love it. It's such a great energizer. It works for groups from 10 to infinity and beyond. Uh, Really quick – Really quick recap of what it is. So you get everyone to stand up and mill around, use the space. And when you say walk, everyone walks. When you say stop, they stop. Easy enough. Then you change uh, those instructions. So walk means stop, and stop means walk. So when you say walk, they have to stop. Creates a bit of confusion. It gets a few laughs. After this first reversal, what I usually do is get them to find the person closest to them and answer a question. Like it could be a random one to start with. For example. Which is worse, being bored or being too busy? That's the first question, easy, um, just to get them talking. Then you introduce the second rule, name and clap. When I say name, yell at your name. When I say clap, clap. And walk means stop, stop means walk still. Okay, so you do that, then you reverse the order. So name is clap, clap is name, walk is stop, stop is walk. When you, after that second reversal, get them to find someone next to them and answer the question for example hey what is it your biggest leadership challenge so you can contextualize the question so it relates to the content and topic that you'll be covering then you can add your third set of instructions jump and dance you actually be pretty surprised at this stage how warmed up they are and they actually do dance uh, which is awesome Uh, so and then you reverse the order to finish off so walk is stop stop is walk name is clap clap is name jump is dance dance is jump And after that third and final question, ask a question along the lines of, you know, what do you hope to get out of today? Or it could be something more relevant to your topic. So in this example, what I have done is I've weaved in questions to make the icebreaker and energizer more relevant to the group. When I saw it on Drew's channel, all it was was a walk stop exercise with no questions. But I've lengthened out the icebreaker. I've embedded questions into it so it is more relevant. So, instead of using the debrief to make the exercise relevant, I've just paused it and thrown in questions while they're up and moving. Uh, so, there's really good energy. Uh, it just Everyone just feels good. You get good conversation. So, I guess to wrap up, this is more of a, a note for me than for you. I'm not trying to give anyone a lecture. It's really just trying to tell myself that we've got this. Uh, every time we deliver a new workshop on new content, we don't need or we shouldn't feel compelled to hop onto Google to try to find an icebreaker that is related directly to that content. I think, as I said before, a good facilitator should have a bag of 10 icebreakers and energizers they can lean on, they're confident presenting um, at a moment's notice and that they can debrief and multi-purpose for a variety of different contexts. I think this is reassuring because I know I certainly spend a lot of time trying to find a lot of wonderful activities and games to use, Um, but I think I just need to trust that I've got my set level of activities and instructions and I need to actually invest more of the time thinking how to make the debrief or how I embed questions so it relates more to the theme and the topic of the workshop. So it's like we've got to start using the force connection exercise on ourselves to figure out how do my 10 icebreaker activities how can they relate to this new stack of content so that is it for this week's mini-sode I guess the action I'd like you to take is to consider your existing toolkit of exercises and the next topic you're about to deliver and challenge yourself to force the connection between your exercise and the topic at hand I think you can do it Um, if you get stuck though you can join the flip chart and crowdsource the answer from our global audience in the group Hope you have a wonderful week and I'll catch you next week for another interview. Have a good one. And look, if you're still listening in the meantime, if you do like the show, I'd love you to help out and get the word out to other people. So there are a few ways you can spread the word. Uh, You can simply send them a link to firsttimefacilitator.com or leave a rating and review in iTunes to boost the public presence of the show. Thanks, first-time facilitators. Chat next week.